or I guess morning, depending on where you are in the world. And welcome to Zvinal, the TLG Gwent podcast. My name is Jagras, and I'm joined, as always, on the hosting desk, even though we have various desks, by Spiro. How's it going, Spiro? Hey, everyone. Thanks, um, Jagras. Yep, I mean, we are sure you guys know familiar to these two faces. We have Freddy and Kulamon, both finalists in the last Gwent Masters. So big welcome to you, you guys. And how are you all doing? Yeah, feeling great. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And Kulamon, of course, of yeah. course, the winner of Gwent Masters. How are things at your side after that big win? I'm, I'm doing okay right now. Actually, I randomly got vaccinated on Monday and then I was kind of sick for the last two days. Um, but now I'm now I'm kind of okay again. Now you're ready to face the Gwent ladder again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm worried. I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow, so I don't want to get sick. I know some people get hit really badly with it, though, and some people are like, it doesn't affect them at all. And I, I suppose it depends who you get. You know, if you get AstraZeneca, if you get Pfizer, if you get... I can't even think more. Yeah, I had the AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Lots of big news to discuss. Obviously, we had Gwent Masters over the last weekend. The fabled Gwent Masters, which has been delayed many, many times. Um, finally, it happened this weekend. And um, yeah, it was very, very exciting. I must say, there were some interesting decks for sure. And um, obviously, you two got, you two were the two finalists. So I just got a question for both of you guys. How how was the prep work going into it? I guess I'll start with Freddy. Like, how, how was your... your prep going into masters were you like grinding it out like every day for multiple hours or how did it go uh yeah pretty much it was it was quite brutal i'm not gonna lie i think i actually played a bit too much um because i was playing like even the month before like leading up to the qualifier and stuff like every day like super like i don't know eight hours or something minimum every day and Damn. Uh, and then some a lot of the decks that were good then like were just not in any way useful right um, and I played like a ton of Arrakis Swarm and stuff and then just not going to play it in the tournament. So it felt a bit wasted in many ways some of that time. But yeah, no, it was it was quite busy. But I think I'm quite happy with how much, you know, it would feel really bad to not put all the time that you could into prepping for that tournament, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I mean, I guess about, if you, if you won with you? no prep, I was gonna say if you won with no prep, it would uh, probably feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, if you got three, it's gonna be like feel pretty bad. Colmon's gonna be like, yeah, I play like an hour a day. It was chill, mm-hmm. easy. No, no, no. We, we also practice pretty pretty hardcore. Like I I met up with Damarcus uh, three weeks before the tournament started. Um, obviously already played before that a bit, right? But there was a big patch, and yeah, after the patch, I, I just played some ladder. Um, to you know, familiarize myself with what could be good, and then you know when the Marcus came here, we basically mostly played against um, other players. We had like a big prep group where we had like like top players from our team, but also um, you know a few TLG players were in there as well. Um, yeah, how about out and um, uh, and, um, and yeah. So I got a question for you because Freddie had an interesting point where you discussed like. You, just, you you practice for a certain meta and then suddenly like it almost shifts in a way. Like for example, the, the last qualifiers be top 64, there was a lot of like monster um, targeting specifically towards like the V and Kelly matchups. And um, then the next weekend in the, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the Masters, suddenly people are targeting Swarm decks. Like it almost, 
like different metas changing between times. Is there a way you can kind of feel it out or just kind of have to guess and, and say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do and I hope it works out? Or do you have any way of sensing what you think is gonna be the strategy of other players or whatnot? I think it's pretty hard to predict the strategy of the players at Masters based on the qualifiers um, because people put a lot more time in the prep for, for Masters and for qualifiers. And there are also like, like there were like a lot of players in there where you know they're they're probably gonna bring like their own like unique strategies like Freddy Magpie Life Coach always kind of bring their own stuff. So um, I, I didn't really try to exactly um, predict uh, what people are gonna bring because so I just try just felt like it's not possible. So you just try to bring sure. decks you were comfortable with or? I, I mostly try to avoid targets, I guess. Like ah, I, mean, I didn't want to be weak to monster and to white targets. And at the same time, we were trying to like soft target Skellig a bit because we thought Skellig is kind of a deck that is... <laughs> I mean, you definitely strong. dodged a bullet. <laughs> Sorry. You definitely dodged a bullet when you when you say you, you try to dodge um, white punish because obviously cutting into life coach there with all those white punish must have been a huge sigh of relief for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we actually had like, uh, that was a pretty close decision between Elves and, and Gift for us in the end, right? Because Elves is just generally a stronger deck, um, but it runs into the problem of potentially getting targeted. And, you know, Dharma went with the Elves in the end, but Hajik and me went with, with Nature's Gift uh, with a more safe choice, I guess. I think the other thing to be aware of is you guys have to lock in your decks like a little bit in advance, right? So I, I feel like the top 64 maybe happened after the decks got locked in. Maybe I'm making that up. No, no. Oh, was it just nah, before was, the deck? That was quite a while in? before. Because, well, I mean, yeah, it was like a week or two before. Okay, so uh, then you I, I had I, those. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had a bit of a different feeling to Coleman, maybe. Like, because I was thinking along the lines of, like, the the solid players in the tournament that are not doing their own stuff, like like Coleman and um, uh, and yeah, maybe Damorcus Adzikov. I thought they were probably going to be more sort of basing their lineup on the qualifiers, right? And what happened there. Uh, and, and basically the meta of the qualifier was basically there were people with elves, there were people targeting elves, and there were people who did not even mess around with any of that and they just didn't want to be targeted at all, right? And I think one of the players that won was Nick R and he was not being targeted by elves. Like that was the, the strategy he took. And the other person that won was bringing elves maybe targeting elves a little bit as well so i figured that maybe the meta was going in that direction for some of the more solid players right like coleman we're going to play sort of the safer lineup because that had proven to be sort of the best mm. uh i don't know if you if that was the thinking caller maybe you were not looking at it like the qualifier did well here but just in general it looked to me like the meta sort of was going in a direction of the safer decks was sort of the yeah. the 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 good strategy for the tournament um yeah. I mean, I can see that like it makes sense for players that are like outside of our, um, you know, our team our chooser group to try and predict what we're gonna bring because we're obviously like a group of three players that are probably gonna bring similar decks. So like, if you manage to predict us, it's already like that's pretty good for you, right? Yeah. Like for us, it's it's more hard because mm. if we are like from our perspective, it's like five players are probably gonna bring different stuff. Life coaching gameplay might bring the same, right? But apart from that, everyone has like different stuff, so. Um, it's kind of hard to, you know, base your lineup around like one particular player in there. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, if, if you're not in, in, yeah. in our group, then it's like, okay, you're trying to see what these three yeah. will bring and make some sense. And I guess for you, it can be a bit awkward, right? Because you're all prepping together in some way and you can't like, you don't want to counter one of the other guys who's also bringing like similar yeah, stuff to you, right? You can't, you kind of all have to kind of hedge your bets a bit and uh, and play some Yeah, you can't really bring completely different decks, right? Yeah. Because like if, if you, one person has a deck that's really good against what someone else has, then they're probably not going to want to commit that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Adzikov was actually talking a bit about that to, to me. He was saying that he like yoinked your, or, or maybe he was saying on the stream actually, uh, he was saying like he kind of yoinked your your lineup at the last minute and didn't actually help too much with making it. Uh, yeah, he had, he had a different lineup at first and then he lost to our lineup and then he took out. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I guess he's like hedging his bets there in case he matches into you guys. I mean, that, that is kind of quite likely to happen in an eight-player tournament. So he's like, oh, better just change my lineup. Yeah. <laughs> um, how yeah. much notice did you guys have about uh, World Masters, you know, in terms of getting back into the game? Because I know a lot of players for World Masters 1 were kind of on hiatus uh, until this happened. You know, how much kind of forewarning did you have? Like, oh, there's going to be a tournament. You know, did you have a couple months to prepare? Or was it just kind of more, here's your month to prepare and off you go? I can't even remember. I think it was a month, I think it was month and a, a day month. or you know, month and a week. Yeah. yeah, I could look it up when we get the email. I think it was about a month. Yeah. I saw that email. I was like, oh, dude, it's happening. Fuck. I just freaking started jamming games <laughs> extremely rapidly. Yeah, it, it, it it's took a while. I mean, how how long ago was, was this event initially supposed to happen? It's quite a while ago. I mean, I guess the first... I guess it was actually only supposed to happen like a year ago, technically speaking, would, and then it got delayed. No, but... a bit more than that. I think it was like March 2020. Mm. Oh, okay. How did you guys feel when you got cancelled? Because for me, I was at the gym and I like came out of the gym and my gym has no phone signal <laughs> and my phone was just blowing up. It was like the Tuesday and I was due to fly on the Thursday. So it was two days before my flight and came out of the gym in the evening and just was like, oh, the event is cancelled. That was, that was heartbreaking. Mm. I was so good. I mean, for us, I think it was one day before because we were, we were flying on Wednesday usually. And um, yeah, it, it was uh, kind of annoying, right? Because we practiced a lot uh, for it, right? We had our lists ready, everything was submitted. Like practiced two or three weeks for it and then it gets canceled, yeah. Think of the list, I'm curious. What were the lists? They would actually have the list. I want to know what those lists were that were the, the unseen list that we never got to. Yeah. Uh, Dude, they, they were going to... They were going to release the list, but I was like, uh, maybe they shouldn't release the list because I freaking, I lost my mind a little bit with that oh, prep. You, uh, I feel like I have the list in email yeah. somewhere because I definitely spent a lot of time going through them, looking at matchups, talking uh, with other casters, with players, with TLG. Like, I was good because I put in so much work for that. And then it just was yeah. like, I mean, you guys probably put in more work, let's be real. But, you know, to have all that just taken away was, it felt really bad for me. And I can imagine for the players as well. It's so anticlimactic. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I I remember being very dying, like I was very dying, like lots of pain in my body and such, um, because like playing all night to get the decks through, right? And then I think it was only like the next day or something, right, that they uh, they said it was delayed. It was yeah. very, very sad moment. But yeah, yeah, I think they cancelled on Tuesday, and on Wednesday was the flight, and maybe on Monday was the deck submission deadline, something like that. Mm -hmm. And hadn't did Demarcus come? 
to yours, Kulamon, as well, to prep. I feel like people have yeah. been traveling to prep to different people's houses. Did Green Knight go and see you, Freddie? Am I making that up completely? Yeah, yeah. Green Knight was with me. I, I thought that Morcus was everyone in Poland already or something? So I, I remember some parties and such in my apartment going up. For Last Masters, you mean? Was that Last yeah. Masters? Or was it a different... Because I, I thought that Morcus and Tailbot and, and people were sort of at my apartment, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was a different event? Because I think some people traveled already, right, before they actually... No, no, I think we just traveled anyways, because they couldn't cancel uh -huh. flights anymore, right? And then we just went uh -huh. there to hang out, right? Wasn't it right. like that for Last Master? Yeah. <laughs> just have a party at Freddy's place. It's canceled, but party at Freddy's place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I remember honestly, that, yeah. oh, sorry, you go on. I just remember like absolute shenanigans, like and me and Panda were not very impressed. I must say, we were uh, people were <laughs> spilling alcohol on the floor, and we we're like, guys, what, what is going on? <laughs> uh, that is, it's, it's good. It's fine when it's someone well, gotta... else's place, but when it's your place, it's like, no, what are you doing? Yeah. This is why you never host. <laughs> you always attend. You never ever host. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> So I've got an interesting question I was kind of thinking about. So obviously we did see some very heavy heavy targeting strategies in the weekend for Masters. We saw, um, obviously, I believe it was um, Life Coach and Gaming had a super, super hard targeting strategy onto the Swarm lineup. Or, um, and obviously this type of lineup is a strategy we've seen t time and time again in these like these these tournaments where you kind of sometimes you go all in on a, str on a strategy, say, okay, I'm going to target this deck. I know, Kulamon, you've had this happen to you, I believe, one time in Open Beta with, with um, Super JJ and mm. Necker. Encountering, how do do you feel like there's something that, that, that that's just a viable, it's a, a thing that's that's just how it is, or would you like? Is there something that could be done about this whole sort of situation about, you know, so it must feel bad, right? You, you bring a deck, you bring a lineup, and then you just queue into the person hard country and you go home without uh, without much you can say about it. Um, I don't know. Like the only thing you could do about it is like play a different format, I guess, instead of conquest, but um. Like as long as you play conquest, I think there's always going to be a targeting is always going to be part of the game. Yeah, it feels very bad to be Tailbot. I think <laughs> that is yeah. just not like he's probably going to win the whole tournament if he manages to dodge the the Lamberts. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's hard for him because he's probably the player that stayed the most with Gwent. You know, he was prevalent throughout season two as well. So in terms of sticking around through the thick and the thin tailbot was like i guess a lot of people's favorite just because he's been around the scene for so long and he's most up to date with the current state of gwent because he's just been playing it the most and then to go into that situation with life coach i feel like it's got to be a little bit soul destroying just just a little bit yeah yeah, yeah i guess yeah. it's the risk you take right he, he took the risk he had the lineup that could could mash up all the safe lineups but yeah, in the end, you get life coached, and uh, <laughs> I, not really good I actually, I wasn't actually so sure about this lineup because he had this, um, he had this place of glory in there. So I felt like like our lineups were actually pretty decent against him because like, mm. like he had a discard place of glory, which was like, kind of a deck that we were soft targeting. Blood Eagle was it? Maybe he wasn't. I thought he was Blood Eagle, and I think that deck. Kind of okay into like uprising and and such. Yeah, I, I, I don't was, know. I might be wrong about that. I could be I mean, super wrong. And our test we did pretty well against both versions of it. But um, mm -hmm. 
I wasn't really sure why you didn't bring Ellis in this lineup. Is basically why. Yeah. Like if you had Ellis instead of Blaze of Blow, you would have been like pretty good against our lineup. Mm, that's a good point. Overall. Yeah. I, I was kind of uh, mm. thinking if they ever hypothetically, if they made these things double elimination, but obviously because it's too long, you make it so that um, there's like multiple streams and multiple games going on at once to get through the games faster um, so that you can actually play, you can get through the games. And so, so if you have like two official casts happening at once um, on two different channels that, get, that, that can get through the loser bracket and the winner's bracket at the mm. same time, so that doesn't waste too much time, then it would make... Then it would make it a lot more consistent in terms of, you know, if you do end up getting like hard targeted, you at least get a, you go to the loser bracket and you can still make it through um, whatnot. I, I don't know if that's something that they could maybe ever possibly do, but I was just kind of thinking that might be an idea. Yeah. I mean, from a player perspective, it would be pretty nice, I think. I don't know if they're, you know, willing to, to do something like that. Like in theory, yeah. it shouldn't be that hard, right? They would need some more casters, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I think I guess the concern is like you know splitting the viewerships. So you don't have that one channel with big numbers, but arguably you'd still have the viewership across the Gwent directory uh, in that yeah. situation. And people can always go back and watch pre other matches. You know, if you if you're enjoying it, the tournament. You know, you can always try and like. I guess you have to try and like avoid the bracket, avoid seeing the bracket. But then you could always, after the tournament, go back mm -hmm. and watch, you know, the other channels or that sort of thing. And it means that people mm -hmm. have cast their preferences, which is really common, you know, um, speaking from experience. There's certain people who absolutely love my casting and some people who really, really hate it. Then if you have a split like that, people can pick and choose casters. And people already pick and choose casters going to unofficial streams anyway. Um, yeah. So I guess it, it works in, in that kind of capacity. But I guess it depends on if you want the entire tournament to be viewable live, it doesn't work. So it's a it's something that I guess CDPR mm. would have to make a decision about. It's quite a cool idea, isn't it? I, I remember watching like StarCraft tournaments. I think they quite often did this sort of like round robin thing, right? And then they're sometimes like watching this player play and that player play. And I guess, yeah, you've got the cast of preference. You could also, if someone like, I don't know, prefers watching a certain player like maybe he's like yes i want to just follow colomo in the whole way through the tournament because he's uh, a god and whatnot um <laughs> then then they can do that as well that'd be pretty sick actually i think more content yeah. in general right as well i do that in other games i've mean, seen that happen in call of duty as well that's where i initially yeah. thought of the, the concept but yeah I, I i don't know i mean i just feel like it's it must feel terrible to just bring a lineup and then get eliminated game one because you just get hard targeted yeah yeah, there's a, there's a huge yeah. amount of pressure, isn't there, as well? Would take the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah! I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I I do want to play more tournaments because I really like playing the tournaments, man. It's so much fun. And it's such a high, and, like, uh, uh, yeah, it just feels really good. Um, might be hard to win Masters 3. I don't know. There's some good players in Gwent, right? So... Um, Apparently, there's a sound problem, by the way. No, it's, it's only me. Yeah. It was on my end. Yeah. Uh, but so they missed the question. They just heard the, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> the, the question was if Freddie felt, felt inspired to, to win <laughs> season three for the record. I see, I see. So but yeah, I definitely. Song. Yeah, yeah. Be I def uh, we good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, so it's fixed. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to play more tournaments. I would love to. I feel like I have more to prove. But um, see how that goes. You never know, right? Awesome. And then for Colomon, the question was, did this win make it impossible to ever get motivated again for another tournament? 
You know, you won the biggest <laughs> prize probably in Quinn history that I would imagine that there will be. I don't think we're going bigger. So at that point, it's like to just hang up your hat or your keyboard and you know, sail off into the sunset. Um, I mean, I'm definitely still motivated to play in tournaments. It's more a question of the motivation to qualify for them, right? Because qualifying for them is a lot of work and effort. Um, takes a lot of time. But um, yeah, I, I think I might still go for it um, at some point. Maybe even this season. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I suppose a good thing is like once you qualify for an Open, if you win the Open, you're then qualified for World Masters. So you kind of have that coming up. So then you don't have to put the time in as much to grind out the other tournaments sure. necessarily. You know, so that's one of those things that if you can get through an open and win an open, then you can chill for the rest of the rest of the year, potentially, if you know that's how you feel. But at the same time, like, how do you find grinding ladder in general at the moment compared to, I guess, how it was in the past? Because I feel like grinding ladder is a bit of a different experience now. Mm, not sure if it's that much different. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it can be potentially fun at some point, but it also gets tiring. And um, I don't know, like, it's just uh, the, the fact that you have to play so many games, like every season to qualify for tournaments, uh, like at, at some point, it's just, uh, you know, at some point, you just don't enjoy it that much anymore. Right? Yeah, definitely can be yeah. difficult. To, like when you have to play, depending on how obviously win rate is 300 to like sometimes a thousand plus games from some players every month to make, make it to these qualifiers and then obviously there's no guarantees so in the qualifiers you know you got to still win those qualifiers and it's not easy it's definitely a long long road to get to um gwent open and even longer road still to get to gwent masters so definitely a lot of work that players have to put in to get there and i can definitely see how it can be tiring to do this repetitively um for sure also all the people in the chat being like just win I'm like, well, I, that sounds like a loser attitude to me. All you people saying like winning is, is difficult. <laughs> no, I get it. There is, yeah, there is a lot of, of effort because you have to just get into the qualifier. And then once you're in the qualifier, you have to win the qualifier. And then once you win the qualifier, you'd have to win the open. So I, I, I do understand that it's not as simple as just win an open and, and go from there. Uh, but it, it's something that's some, that you could do, I suppose. Uh, and our last question for both of you is how much money for you to go bold forever? Oh, that's man. the question. <laughs> that's a lot of. That's a big, a million. Forever is a long if time. Freddie, Freddie's fine. He started. He started to hedge his um his hair situation <laughs> down below as well. So you're covered there. I think Coleman's got a bit of a, bit of a oh, yeah, uh, a, too. a beard going on here as well. <laughs> mm, I mean, I don't know. Like the problem with going bald forever is. Would I then have to also like shave every day, or is that something I would be taken yeah. care of? You know, oh, that's handy. An assistant for free. <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah. factor that into the into the cost, really, the cost of you spending time. Yeah, if I actually have to spend time every day shaving, it would be uh, quite expensive. I think, like a few million, maybe. I don't know. There's all, those, all the people in the chat who are like have a receding hairline are just like reeing at this question. You know, they're they're, they're like I don't even get I don't I get I go bald for free. Like I wish someone would pay me to go bald. So that's that all was right, our so question. That. So that's our question. So now we can talk about like current Gwen. We can talk about Ooh. our new cards, the price of power, and how people are feeling. I mean, the mess is not settled at all. Let's be real. We don't have a nope. mess yet, which is great. This is we like the wild west of Gwen. Right, we have twelve of the meta. That's that's a fun meta. 
but yeah lots yeah. of um lots of new stuff happening and um it's gonna be interesting to see how it all develops i mean i don't know what are you i'm not how much time you guys have had spent on with the expansion so if i know freddie you've been playing in a bunch how are you um feeling about things so far i've been I mean, jamming i'm i'm liking it actually it feels like every deck that i've got my hands on has been just everything feels super op like <laughs> All of the bronze or the new bronzes are all like so incredible. Like I've never seen anything like it. And yeah, there's some really cool new archetypes. I was playing some of the Northern Realms mages. That stuff is bonkers with the patience and the they're like growing and, and learning and reading their books, right? And then they come back later and they're still very knowledgeable. And yeah, just like a lot of fun times. Koshchi is like somehow viable now. Like I don't know, it's pretty sick. Um apart from the cloggers stuff, right? Cloggers can can I don't like that stuff. Uh, I think most of us don't, but yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's quite fun actually. Um, so far. And Colombo, have you like had your hands? Have you, or are you still just like chilling, taking a break, or have you jumped in on any games of Gwen so far? I haven't played any games because I was lying in bed the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, I watched a bit of streams. I mean, it's all the cards. Yeah, I mean, it does look like there's some really OP stuff out there, like the Nilfgaard bronzes. Yeah. Absolutely. Insane. You know, speaking of the Nilfgaard bronzes, I had a question, because I've been seeing this topic being debated so much in various places like Discord and whatnot. Which bronze do you think is better? The Blightmaker combo Nilfgaard or the Witch, witch Apprentice? The, the, the Piggy from Monsters. Which which one do you guys think is more OP? The Nilfgaard one, I think. Yeah. yeah. Unconditional, right? Like the, the monster one, you have to kind of work for. Yeah, I agree. That's what I kind of also thought of. It's they're, they're, they're pretty strong, though. And um, I must say, also, what do we have? Tell what's the what's the, the the artifact that creates a bronze? Megascope. Um, Megascope. Megascope. That one you can pull off all kinds of crazy combos with. That one. That one has <laughs> like so much crows. potential. Crows. Oh, I love the. Crow. <laughs> I've seen some some crow shenanigans going on with that. Um, it's not good, but it's fun. That's that. I think that I like Megascope because it's not necessarily a great card but it's fun but the problem with it is that if there's bronzes that are busted then that can then become an issue because you're creating more bronzes that are busted i guess i mean and it's interesting it kind of also passes the provision like usually when it comes to cards it can play other cards the higher like they make like things like freya's blessing they make it six provisions because it has the ability to resurrect any like bronze card whereas megascope is four provisions so you could copy a six provision card with like a great sword for example and it's it, it exceeds its own provision curve in a way which is interesting mm -hmm. i mean it's quite restricted though it doesn't work well with deploy effects yeah, right? yeah. and it's not the delayed so yeah I, th I think it's okay like it only works with like a few cards um so and with those it can potentially be strong definitely the card with a lot of potential also in the future with new cards being released but i think for now like i didn't really see anything that's like too broken with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i mean i've yeah. been loving the patch i've been playing some rain i've been raining on people's parades just playing some some good old point slam wholesome point, point slam skilliger uh i played hyper thin nilfgaard and then matched into someone else playing hyper thin nilfgaard and so we both vilga forced each other's tibor out and we were playing like yennefer and tris and stuff for their face value because we had no cards left in our deck. Uh, so that those shenanigans are there. And that's because of this new package, right? The new Nilfgaard thinning package, you can kind of go for hyper thin strategies um, and that side of things. And yeah, I think the ladder is really diverse at the moment. You see lots of people trying different things. Um, we'll have to wait and see where it settles, but I don't want it to settle. Like I like the fiesta that is, you know, patch week where people are 
trying different things and no one's really settled on one thing that you're seeing preva- uh, prevalently. Is that the word I'm looking for? So yeah, I'm having a great yeah. time. It's it's fun. It's very fun. Like everyone kind of experimenting with all kinds of different things. I mean, you got, as Freddie mentioned, a lot of decks look broken at first. Like they just everything seems broken. They're like all these new crazy combos. I saw decks playing like Mage NR with a bunch of um, mega scopes copying the Mage infiltrator and just playing Mage after Mage after Mage. I saw I, I saw Koshi decks going crazy. I saw mm. um, I've seen. I've seen all kinds of nutty decks, and it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously, a lot of these decks might actually turn out to not be viable, but in the beginning, no one really knows what's viable and what's bad and what's good, and so everyone's just trying out some stuff, and it's it's a lot of fun being able to just build decks and and, and experiment with new stuff until you get into yeah, for me. <laughs> I generally don't like the start of a new meta that much. I have to say, like even though new decks, like coming up with new decks, is fun. I just don't like the feeling of not knowing what to expect in the meta, like not knowing what I'm supposed to tech against, what my opponents will have, and so on. And just, <laughs> I uh, must say, that is such a colorblind thing to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't like it because I can't play at my highest level of skill because I have, like, my, my friend could be uh, playing lots of kind of clown nonsense. There's always clown nonsense going on. <laughs> that, that is fair. Uh, and I'm, no, I will say... Colorblind wants, wants the calculated, like, knowing exactly what his opponent's <laughs> playing and be you able know, to predict every mood piece by piece. <laughs> Which I can respect. Mm-hmm. I can respect right. that. <laughs> I will say I'm impressed that um, like such a small expansion has had such a big impact on the state of the game. You know, because they've split this expansion into three and we're getting like, was it 20 odd cards each time? There was a fear that, you know, it wasn't going to have as much of a shakeup as it has. But I guess if you're releasing only 20 cards at a point, you have to make those cards impactful. Um, yeah. And I think it's like decent that CDPR has managed to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like in previous expansions, a lot of the time you release like, I don't know, 100 new cards, but then only 25 of those even see play, right? Which, you know, if you release, I don't know how many cards are released now, not that many, but if you make every single one of them impactful, almost every single one that that can have pretty much the same impact as a full expansion where only like Mm -hmm. a quarter of the cards actually see play. Yeah, you just got to be a bit careful with the power creep, right? Because... Yeah, it might make every yeah. other card in the game just a bit redundant at a certain point. Um, yeah, hopefully and... we're not going to see that after this stuff settles, and then it's mm-hmm. just I have to play Witch Pig in every deck, and I have to play <laughs> freaking Megascope Greatsword because it's just super OP, like or whatever, right? Yeah, uh, Witch Pig. I, it. I think it's okay if they make the stuff like if they are on the side of you know making stuff too strong in the beginning, as long as they rein things in that are really too much out of proportion after a season maybe and then yeah. it becomes mm-hmm. clear what's really op and what's not mm-hmm. i think it's a challenge though but- because i was gonna say card games are always gonna have power creep like you can't really avoid it in a game that iterates with new cards and when homecoming first came out like went really needed power creep like it was like this game dramatic <laughs> drastically needs some power creep and yeah. as we go forward though we're kind of getting to the point where suddenly we've had the power creep and the game feels really, really good. And then there's the fear that they need to kind of rein it in a little bit uh, with, you know, maybe these like hyper thinning Nilfgaard combos, for example, that thin and play about 80 points in one go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind the power creep, especially on bronze cards, because I feel like bronze cards compared to gold cards for a, lot of, a long time have been a little bit weaker. But I, I must say the problem becomes when you bring new cards out that are super strong and then you don't bring up the other old cards, it kind of feels a bit weird. Like when you have 
cars like Blightmaker playing for 11 points, which doesn't necessarily have to be a terrible. I mean, I guess maybe a point or two left might be a bit too much. Uh, might be fine. But when you compare it to other bronze cars, like if you look at Fast here, that buffed it recently. It now is a very, very, very conditional seven for four. It just feels a bit, um, a bit left out. Mm. Yeah, I think we will end up being in a place where there are just like the new cards are kind of auto include decks, right? And that's. But it, the good yeah. thing is, if everything feels really broken then nothing feels broken, right? And it's just kind of more fun because all yeah. of your stuff pops off really hard and then theirs does as well, but you're just you know, just kind of vibing and having a good time. But yeah, maybe, yeah, they need to bring everything up maybe um, to the same it, level. And speaking it, of broken, of... like what like what do you guys think will actually even be the best on this on this patch, by the way? Like yeah, in terms of I, faction? So far, I'm thinking Syndicate and Nilfgaard look pretty strong. Monsters mm. looks okay too. I'm not a hundred percent sure I feel about Scoyatel right now, but Nilfgaard and Syndicate feel to me kind of very good right now. And what's the deal with the Syndicate cards? Are they? Oh, uh, I mean, you can, just, you, we're, you we're can talking play, about like, Blightmaker and Pig and stuff, but yeah, yeah, but like Syndicate got um, I, I, I'm, I've been trying it out. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the what's it? Which which finder? Which finder? Mm, I think yeah. that the new that new bounty giver. Like, it's just another, if you play like a line pocket stick, for example, it's just another threat that your opponent has to answer. They have to answer your cleaver. They have to answer your drill. And now you've got this card that's just pumping out bounties that they also have to answer. And if any one of these cards stick, it's a pretty scary concept to go up against this card that's just slaying bounties. And if it does get answered, it's still playing for 10 points. It puts a bounty on your opponent's card. And if it gets answered, that's one less answer they can use on maybe a cleaver or, or one of your other threats. So, I don't know. The card looks kind of nuts to me. I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I remember the cards on so being the strongest. Yeah, I mean they were super yeah. good last patch, right? I think. Uh, mm -hmm. I wonder if people still play the Poison Boys, or if uh, I can't really see a world where they don't. But Roland yeah, and yeah, they're kind of nuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess if you're playing uh, with pockets, then you're not playing them, and we fit them in that deck. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's the place. It's kind of the difference I guess, between pockets and Cove is the poison package or the poison brothers. Yeah. The biggest difference and as opposed to like drill. But yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interesting. The Nilfgaard obviously also I mean Nilfgaard, as we all know, the bronze the thing about the bronze cards, the blight makers, is they give Nilfgaard a way to contest run one. Actually possibly a lot of the time force your opponent out of run one. And when Nilfgaard is given round control, that's quite scary. In the past, Nilfgaard's kind of in the faction just gets abused in round one, has to pass early, defend the bleed, hope mm -hmm. for the best, whereas mm -hmm. now they can actually control the game much better, which is actually a pretty scary concept to give Nilfgaard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, this I is funny. I, was gonna say, I think yeah. it's just funny that Nilfgaard, I've said this before, it's like a prophecy, that Nilfgaard has this thing that CDPR does, where basically they give them something really good. Every so often they'll give something them something really good, and then they'll spend the next however many patches, nerfing Nilfgaard. So they gave us like Brath, they gave us, um, what's it called? Uh, Masquerade Ball, for example. They gave us like Masquerade Ball and, and just generally good and cards. Things. But these cards don't really synergize with anything else. So like we had Masquerade Ball, we had Brathens, we had Usurper. These are the kind of good cards. And then from there, they spend the next few patches just nerfing Nilfgaard, nerfing Nilfgaard, nerfing Nilfgaard, nerfing Nilfgaard, nerfing Nilfgaard. And then they get to the point where they're like, oh, we should probably give them something good again. But we're not going to give them something that's really synergistic or that works with them as a faction identity we're going to give them like a good card one good card or in this case it's a it's two good cards but they work together we'll give them two op cards and then we'll spend the next five patches nerfing these op cards and adjusting things until we're back to where we started and the problem is that they haven't 
given they've got any identity. So instead of giving them cards that synergize and work together and are powerful because of the way they interact with other cards, they're just like, bam, here's like 8 million points for four provisions. And then we'll have Nilfgaard nurse for the next little while and that'll make the community happy because the community hates Nilfgaard. And then we'll get to the next patch and they'll do what they did here is, oh, here's something good for Nilfgaard again. Yeah. The problem is, right, everyone just hates the 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 Nilfgaard identity, like the, <laughs> the cloggers yeah. and the, the stealing yeah. stuff. And it's just not... <laughs> Not the way. I will say that, I, like, I was talking a bit with Mogwai, who was in my stream earlier today, and he was saying that to him, like, all the the spying synergies and stuff felt really good, uh, and it mm. felt kind of kind of like the old days in a, in a sense. So potentially, we're looking at it from our perspective of like, you know, we've been with Homecoming Gwent the entire time, and Nilfgaard has changed a little bit each time. But maybe from from a new player perspective, it is quite a you know the ball and the the poisons coming out and the the spies everywhere. Like maybe that's maybe that is just the way that Nilfgaard should be. But yeah, yeah. I I, don't, I personally don't actually mind the the spies and the ball and the poisons that much for Nilfgaard. I just don't like the the stealing, I guess, yeah. and the clogging. <laughs> yeah, the concept. I just uh, I know clogging does not exist in my opinion. Yeah, I tend to agree with that one as well. <laughs> yeah. Definitely think, been a bit annoying a letter. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can see the issue that people have with Nilfgaard. I understand, like, people don't really like stuff that touches their stuff or seals their stuff. Or it's, I mean, it's like if someone robbed your house. You're not exactly going to be very happy about it, are you? The issue that they have is that they haven't given Nilfgaard any other identity to lean on. So as soon as they start to take away from the spying and the clogging and the, that side of things, the, the faction is just bad. Whereas if they took away from that while also making, you know, soldiers better, or I guess, I mean, assimilate kind of, it falls into the touching your stuff archetype. But, you know, if they, if they made the other archetypes better, then maybe you could get away with taking away from the copying and the clogging and that. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we get some like Northgard soldier buffs at some point. I would I wouldn't mind seeing some Northgard soldier archetypes, but unfortunately it just it just feels like a very like half done archetype and it never really it keeps getting like buffed, but the buffs just don't do anything for it in the end. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we should get some mage and agent <laughs> synergy. We have a little bit. We've got a fringilla, but she got nerfed. That would have been so sick, man. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe that's you, also... Because you could you could keep Blightmaker, get rid of Blightmaker's Lady Mage, the one that gets summoned from the deck. And then at that point, if you're putting a mage on the top, like maybe you want to draw Fringilla, you want to draw Vilgaforce, you can use that as a way of making the deck consistent. You still get the payoff of spawning the little golem dude, but mm -hmm. you don't get the additional payoff of here's the two-point mage that does two damage. So you, you've taken away a little bit of the bonus, but you're still using it for consistency, then make the mages kind of better. And you could have a really good Nilfgaard mage archetype, actually. Yeah, I, I was playing the Blightmaker guy, and it just felt so. The card's really sick, but then you realize, oh, I have to, I have to thin out this four provision card every time because it's mega broken, and if I don't, I just feel like a bit of a silly guy for putting that card in my deck. And but it's so cool when you put the, you like you can put Brathens on the top, and then ah, Joachim into Brathens, and oh, my mages are working. Like I don't know, I think that that that's a cool direction for Nilfgaard. Take notes, CDPR. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't mind. I mean, the numbers might be a bit um a bit off, but I think the the idea is pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's definitely. It's, I would really love if Northgard had some more because right now Northgard's been kind of crutching on Masquerade Ball for 
God knows how long. Nilfgaard has been just the ball faction for so long. And the only thing that even challenged that concept was basically cloggers. And um, that, mm. <laughs> not, uh, as Kalamar mentioned, not really a, a, a deck that I'm super happy being the, the new challenge to that archetype. So let's talk about Northern Realms. How do we feel about, because we've talked a little bit about Syndicate, we talked a bit about Nilfgaard. How do we feel about Northern Realms? Amazing, Ooh. mate. I like. I really like the changes. Actually, I think the Shani change is very cool, and the the Gerhardt card is so sick, and the Patience mechanic as as a whole is is actually one of the. I don't know if they intended. They they must have intended, right? The the Patience to carry over between rounds, but the fact that it does is really really cool. I think that's actually probably my favorite mechanic in the whole game now, actually, because you're you're like playing an engine in round one, right? But that engine is sort of it's like a carryover engine. Yeah. But only if you reuse the card, like it's, it's actually so sick. Um, and they've got all the the and the siege engines and stuff now as well. Have all been buffed, right? It's like quite a lot of stuff you can do with NR. I think I was even playing some royal guards. You can do royal guard megascope. Like, it's just so many options. Yeah, I I agree. When I looked at NR, I was like, geez, there's so much stuff you could try. You could go siege engines. You could go, you could go like some kind of patient engine. You could play like. A, a, a more traditional like shield wall deck but with the new patience cards some big like threats like what is um the, the guy that creates can create a spell um or you could go like you could try some shenanigans with as you mentioned royal guards that's a, an interesting concept you can um there's some of this i feel like the, the possibilities are almost endless with nr this uh, obviously not all these things might end up being like viable in the end but like at least for now there's so many different possibilities for nr the, the rework really was quite cool to see all the different things that now can be played yeah i'm even excited for stockpile and if people can actually probably not make that work that would be quite cool with with the machines and stuff but yeah lots of lots of stuff do you think they need to nerf witchers to make it actually get played though because i know a lot of people in the chat for example are saying you could just play witchers because witchers is good witchers is boring though <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if Witches is still going to be the top of the meta. Maybe, maybe we'll gravitate back towards Witches, we'll have to see. I mean, Witches wasn't like that OP. Like, they were just pretty decent. And then R didn't have much else that was good, other than maybe Inspired Zeal, right? Mm -hmm. But um, with everything being power crept, I can see that Witches maybe not that strong anymore. And, and R will need something stronger than Witches to actually compete. Which maybe they have now. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as Freya has mentioned, the, the 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 patient engines. It's kind of interesting playing engines around one because the thing about engines in round one is you play them and then you got you build up all these engines. You got this whole board set up and then they die and, and then your opponent passes and they go to the graveyard and like eh, well that's over. But now, as Freya mentioned, like you can actually resurrect those engines and like carry on where you left off in a way, which is actually a pretty mm -hmm. cool feeling. Mm -hmm. um, um, very very interesting idea to keep those patients cards. You know, still keeping the charge or whatever you want to call it in the grave. Mm -hmm. And the the Gerhardt card, the the Patience Mage guy, the, the oh, that guy. that card is so I love oh. that card so much, man. Yeah, it's like so good and and so risk reward, like and so mega five head brain have to calculate uh, yeah, all the spells in the game, like to figure out which spell. It's such it's so cool, dude. Like you, you I'm I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I was looking at that card and I just realized that card is basically like a, a Swiss Army knife for the different yeah. matchups. Like against against V, you got artifact compression and you got um you got one of the worst with the five provision slots, um, which can completely be a tall punish. If you're playing a swarm, you can wait to get to six and then you can use it for, I believe, one of the options was the um tremors, 
That's a really good card against Swarm. And if you want to go higher, you can find all kinds of different um, options. There's just so many different possibilities of that card, which can, if you can get him to stick on the board, depending on the matchup, of course, there pretty much is an option that can win you the matchup for any different matchup, assuming the card is able to stick, um, which is kind of crazy what the card can do. It's, it's, it's nuts. And then even without his patience, he's got a, a flipping replay or reset tech option. Like, oh, my opponent's playing spy as well. Okay, I'm going to replay your spy. Or like, ah, oh, like doom mm. with the pact. I get rid of the... I mean, you never do that, but like, yeah, it's just so... Like, there's ne I don't think there's ever been such a flexible card in the game. Like, this card can do so much. Like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, very cool card, I agree. So should we go? Do you want to go Skellige? You want to go monsters? We want to go Squirtle. What have we got left? Uh, I I don't know Skellige. I, I have not played it. any Squirtle at all. I don't know what the situation <laughs> is. <there. laughs> uh is very cool. I like Skellige a lot with the the Bride of the Sea. That's also another really juiced up card. They've like the the card design is so sick on this expansion. Let's see. because you can you can play like the Rain Leader and you can like replay Sigdrifus right now. So you could play like three of a certain gold card if you want, because mm -hmm. you can revive it and then revive it again with her. And yeah, I mean, maybe not the strongest thing ever, but it's just a lot of flexibility in some of these cards, I think, which is fun to play with, right? Yeah, there's some good stuff going on. They've also got the Druid tag, so they're playing a little bit into like Ed and Ethan and that style of things. And then like Fulmar, I like Fulmar is, is a weird one because his ability to create like turn rain into storm can be really nice for row punishing. But the issue is like you have to predict which row you're gonna punish like five turns in advance, right? Because it's it damages everything on the row. If you can play rain, put lots of rain on a row and then convert it, you're damaging everything on the row by one. But the problem is at that point in the mm -hmm. game, usually there's not that much mm -hmm. on the row. So it kind of it's a bit of a weird one. But then on the other hand, he also creates an alchemy card so you have that synergy which means you can then thin crow mother and the turn that you play it um you can also wait on the converting a storm so you don't have to convert the row that you originally rain on into storm like i like him i i do like him and i, I think he has a place somewhere it's just figuring out exactly how he's going to be used but I, mm. I think it's a decent card I think finding the right list for this like rain archetype is actually kind of tough because you have to balance a lot of things. I was trying out a like an all-in rain. I was just raining everything, and then I, I realized very quickly you got too much rain sometimes, and it's very awkward because you got to like get your rain set up, but you also want to answer some of your opponent's threats, and it's, you have a lot of things conflicting. So I, I think that one is to build an, an optimized like rain list if one exists. Um, I think is actually a little bit tricky, but there are a couple of things you could also. There's a lot of different things you're gonna do with. You can go like a, you can try a dagger deck with rain. You could try like a Gedneth, um Druid Alchemy deck with with rain package. You can. There's a lot of different types of options. I'm not sure which one is best though. I I agree with that. I think there's a place somewhere. And and bear in mind, like you can play full bar and he can just chill on the board. Like you don't have to trigger his order. And then later on, you could play say Avalak, put three turns of rain, turn it instantly into three turns of storm, hit everything on the row for one. If you're going against Arrakis Swarm or targeting those style of swarmy decks, like that has a lot of potential. Um, and like you said, he mm. texts quite well with things like Crow Mother, which is just a generally good card. Um, you're creating alchemy cards, so it, it does things with getting like I don't know. I feel like figuring out the best thing to do with those cards is the challenge. But also they made Drakkar for provisions, which is nice. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, they buffed some stuff, yeah. Skellige got some some interesting buffs, for sure. 
And um, yeah, and there's also um, there's also Squirtle as you mentioned. I'm not sure what Kuruma, have you have you got any ideas for Squirtle? Have you have you, have you seen anything in Squirtle? Anything interest interesting appear mm. there? Well, I mean, it just looks like the new cards support um, the nature's gift archetype a lot, right? Most of them. Um, well, okay, I, I looked at the cards and I felt like this elf card kind of just sucks, the one that gives you relays. Yeah. The Francesca looks uh, really strong. In the nature's yeah, Francesca. Even though, I guess the downs that we play in the deck that gives you don't actually have these super powerful spells a lot of the time. But you can potentially trigger her more than once, and you have other threats your opponent has to answer. Uh, the other two bronzes also look like you want to play them in Nature's Gift archetype. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on the the, the three point one that spawns more copies of itself because in Nature's Gift, if hypothetically that card survives, I, I feel like you're gonna overswarm with that card with all the yeah, okay. I guess the other in some matchups, yeah. You also have the one transforming. Yeah, can maybe. maybe. Can you play it and uh, and play a spell on the same turn? If you have something like Francesca, um, then possibly. Or that new that new um, bronze card that can it waits a turn, then it has audibility, and you can play it on the same turn. Ah, so you can yeah. so you or can proc and walk. Yeah, or Mac and Forge, of course. Only yeah. thing is, like I said, I'm just worried that if you play this card and it actually does stick, it's like with all these wandering trends spawning and these more of these cards mm. spawning, I feel like you're just gonna you may at that point you may as well play bone talismans. <laughs> uh, I'm just happy that the Francesca card is not garbage. As a Francesca myself, I'm like whenever they add Francesca content to the game, I'm like, this better be good. We also got two new Francesca icons, which means I can now change my original Francesca icon to one of two other ones. And there's a new Francesca skin. So in terms of the Francesca meta, I'm like, yes, CDPR, do this every patch. But that that's just, you know, being a Francesca. That has nothing to do with Gwen meta or any kind of logic or sanity. So... Out of curiosity, of the of the the factions we've seen, which factions do you guys think came out on the weaker side after the the um expansion? Which one got like the least love or the, the, the looks the least appealing? I guess you could say. Is there one that kind of feels, or or do they or do they just all feel like really good to you guys? Do they all just feel like have a mass possibility? Well, I don't know. In some ways, Syndicate feels like it got the least stuff somehow but yeah. maybe it's just yeah i don't know i guess you can do bounty stuff i i, I don't feel super drawn to it personally yeah, um, yeah. they also started on the on a position of strength though so i, I wouldn't say they necessarily come out the weakest but maybe yeah. they're improved the least i can see that yeah i can see that too that makes yeah well not necessarily even that they have improved the least just more that they don't have that much like I expect Syndicate to be kind of similar to how it was last patch, just with a few new yeah. tools, you know? Yeah, Whereas the other factions will probably be like, wow, all crazy stuff for the other guys. Maybe ST as well. It's kind of weird. Um, but in terms of like, if we're talking actual weakest two factions, I don't know. That's 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 another yeah, question, kind of. Really. Oh, let's see. And then there's monsters. I mean, what's changed in monsters now? We've got She Who Knows. That's an interesting card. I, I, I don't know. It's an interesting. It, it's such a scary card on red coin. I find because if you're on mm. red coin, you can either keep your opponent in the round. You know, you tempo ahead, you play your larva, you play your thrives, you keep your opponent in the round. And 
if you give them a pass and they do take the pass and you go, ha-ha, drop a she who knows and you go into round mm-hmm. two with a 10-pointer carry. So it feels really, really scary on Redcoin for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, yeah. I, when I first saw that card, I thought it was giving resilience at the end of every turn. I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit strong. But I mean, it's... Yeah. It gives me real beta throwback, like to when the like Eridin, you could just mm-hmm. slam an Eridin on the board and he would just carry over, like Yeah. Like these, close, these big guys, right? That's like close, close beta, beta, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. The biggest you Making you Takimara for twenty points. Yeah. And then was it not yeah. like a random unit at one point? And so you'd be like, you'd have like a, a four provision card and a ten, and you'd be like, please pick the ten, please. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, there, there was one point where it was like that. Um, I think what like in some ways what CDPR are doing are they're looking at what was fun in the past. You know, what did people have a really mm. enjoyable time playing or using, and trying to bring back maybe vibes of that a little bit. And that's kind of what this card is giving. You know, the whole shiny changes is giving that, bringing back weather to an extent, like trying to make, you know, rain and these row effects viable again. They're kind of thinking, you know, what do people enjoy? What was what was fun about the past? Not necessarily broken, but what was fun? Let's see if we can find ways to redo that in a way that works with the current state of the game, uh, which I'm all for because I, I got a lot of great nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's definitely an interesting time for sure. question is... Um, how is it all going to look after it settles? Because, I mean, it's also interesting for the fact we're going to have another expansion now in two months again, right? Like another piece of the expansion. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, we're going to, like, get, we're going to familiarize our stuff, familiarize ourselves with this meta. We're going to all, like, like understand it. And then suddenly, boom, shaked up again. And then we all, we get all thrown in the deep end once more. Mm. Will they do another mega change for a faction, like with NR, do you think? Or is it just going to be... Mm. more chill this second time right they might maybe they're going to take it a bit easier print some sort of filler cards and stuff <laughs> don't know yeah hot tall hot tall mm. i think I they're think... going to release about the same amount of cards every time right so mm-hmm. the question is just um how much are they going to change from the old cards and mm. um, i think they will probably rework something else um I mean, Make, it seems like they want to consistently just always rework some of the old stuff. Yeah, make Wolfpack have three base power. <laughs> That'll save mm. it. <laughs> yeah, but then Beast, then Beast Skelliger might be too good, you know. This, there are, <laughs> when you think about it, there are these like residual archetypes that, that kind of, they started doing cards for like Beast. I guess Pirates was one to an extent as well. And then they just yeah. kind of forgot about them for a while. Forgot about it, yeah. And that that's yeah. kind of how, how some of these things feel. So you make jokes about Wolfpack, but if you made Wolfpack sort of viable, it then has a knock-on effect of making beasts better, and then maybe that becomes a thing at some point. But probably mm. not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I, didn't Magpie try build a beast discard deck for the Lost Masters or something? He tried yeah. for Vinnick and everything. <laughs> I think he actually was scary. unironically playing... I think he was unironically playing Wolfpack in that deck as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if you're just discarding it and you want the beast tech, then yeah, you can beast, right? yeah so it's perfect yeah. in that in that case. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm think I'm like quite happy with the state of Gwen. It seems like streaming, like the numbers on Twitch are also really healthy at the moment. Um, just generally. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are coming back to see what's going on with the the expansion. But also I think part of that is World Masters, right? Like I think World Masters 
got a lot of people who were hyped for it in the past or who watched the first season of Gwen mm. coming back to see what's going on um, and maybe haven't played since Homecoming or haven't played since those points in Gwen's history and then realizing that actually, you know, out of Homecoming has like emerged something quite special and something actually that has a lot going for it now. And yeah. so I think like that's been really healthy for Gwen. I think a lot of it has also to do with life culture. A lot of people know him from the old days and you know see his playing Gwent again and are checking are checking him out and therefore check maybe the game out as well again. Yeah, hope hope the momentum can stick around as we. I mean, like I said, the the it's very constant. It's nice. I I don't know what you guys feel about it, but me personally, I love when they have like more consistent. Even if it's a bit smaller, um, like changes or patches or, or expansions, because it just gives you. They used to, my my biggest issue with Gwent in the past has been like there's this big void, like this big expansion, big hype, and then everything kind of just dies down, kind of stagnant for like six months, and then it builds up again. But this way, you know, you keep that momentum going forward um, more consistently, which I think is actually quite a good thing. I'm not sure if you guys how you guys yeah. feel about it, but. Yeah, yeah. If they actually manage to have an, an expansion, this expect impactful every two months that would be pretty nice mm -hmm. yeah. and then maybe you know in between have some hot fixes and fix the broken stuff yeah also i feel like the slow poke meme who's like really late to the party but can we just appreciate how good mobile gwent is like i i feel like i the first time i played mobile gwent was at a, at a tournament when they were showing off like it hadn't been released at that point so it was like a really early build and it was like janky as hell and the phone was like constantly vibrating for everything that you did like all the animations are causing the phone's vibration effects and stuff and it was just not good and then like last week i reinstalled mobile gwen and mobile gwen is like possibly the best way to play gwen like now i'm like uh demarcation i understand exactly where you're coming from before when he's like playing mobile gwen as his main form i'm like what's wrong with demarcation but shout out to mobile gwen that's all i want to say on topic hmm I mean, Spy yeah. Spiro stream from bed incoming. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, we know what happens when I, my if people think my internet connection is bad. You wait till you see my Wi-Fi connection. That's even worse because when I, oh, I yeah. try playing when I try playing Gwent on, on my phone, I've tried it once or twice. I just keep getting disconnected, which yeah. apparently isn't that much different than when I play on PC, but it's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to be able to be a possibility <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, you just gotta like wire your phone to the internet somehow. Right? Uh, the problem is my internet's not very stable to begin with, so <laughs> just uh. get better internet, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Would you would you ever move countries, Spur? Uh, I, I I would love to, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But I, at some point, I do kind of want to. Mm. <clears throat> you can move to Poland like you did. Everyone's gonna have a party at Freddy's yeah. Bureau's place. Just don't the pool, the, the Gwen place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of people from Gwent have moved to Poland, right? Well, I mean, not a mm. lot, a lot. Well, like you did, Panda did, and then like, Mil uh, not Millie, Ryan moved to Poland for Ryan, a job. Yeah. So eventually, mm. over time, and then a lot of like the pro players are just Polish anyway. Yeah. So over time, the entire population of Gwent will move to Poland. I mean, you know, at this point, Gwent is like half Russian, half and half Polish, <laughs> and then another <laughs> half everything else. I know I've gone to 150 percent, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But why wasn't there a South African team in the World Cup? That's the real question. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I I I was busy casting with you with the um the watch me call it the I don't I was Blood I wasn't team. invited to Team UK. Psh. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Freddie, you were also playing that well, I believe. Freddie was you were playing. Uh, I didn't even and, play any of the games, to be oh, honest. I didn't really. Just, uh, <laughs> I was busy. Oh. Yeah. Colomone, you did you play in the World Cup? I can't. I didn't yeah, actually have a chance. Watching I those, played so. in most of the games, even. Yeah, oh, okay, exactly so was that Germany, Germany did well. Uh, <laughs> you were, you guys were juggling some things then with Masters and prepping for Masters yeah. and World Cup. Must have been hectic. I mean, now you guys have a lot more like. Is, is like do you feel relieved after it's all done or do you kind of want to like go back already and relive it it could take a few more days of break but you know after that i'm i'm up for another tournament yeah i mean it's always fun I'm up for the challenge yeah i have a bit of an addiction going on right now to be honest mate <laughs> waking up and playing gwent and then uh, sleeping and yeah Dreaming about Gwent. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> That's just the way it has to be. Uh, it's another invitational soon, though. So thinking, speaking of tournaments, Gwent tournaments, I feel like I should know when that is as a, an official invitational caster. It's in the summer. It's in like July. They tell me things are happening, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Just remind me near the time. That's what happens with this podcast. I forget until like 40 minutes before that we're meant to be doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I should set. I should set up my streamlabs. This is the one thing I'm streaming. This, by the way, people like Jag never streams. That's not true. I stream this vinyl podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so you know, that's the thing. Anyway, uh, any closing thoughts on World Masters, on esports, on the state of Gwen, whatever you like. Uh, let's start with Freddie. We'll go with you first. Ah, it's uh, it's in some ways the end of an era, right? Uh, the Masters Tournament, and um, hopefully we're entering a new golden era of Gwent. Yeah, Boggers. I don't know what I don't know what to say to be honest, mate. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Call on your that, closing do. comments. Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm also not really sure what to say. <laughs> I'm happy at the. Uh, I could have really won. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hope there will be more tournaments in the future that I can hey. win. That you can win. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I like it. Well, congratulations also to Kulamon because you do have to shout him out as being Gwent Master number one. Do you have to like play Pieable now to work out who's yeah, the... Yeah, I was about the... to say. How oh, does yeah, that work? Right. Time to see who's the definitive champion. Season three. <laughs> it's going to all go down in season three. <laughs> this is oh. like the plot, like the fine tune <laughs> next time on Gwent season three. Yeah. Spiro, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think um, I think that is pretty much it. I'm just excited to see all the new stuff. And I can't wait to try out some more um, shenanigans um, in the coming days. Um, but yeah, now we get to the fair part of the stream, which is the smile and wave part, which I'm sure Jack. We're not quite there. No, we've got to do that. We've got to do oh, that. Don't oh, forget okay. to follow us oh, on all of our platforms. All right. Part. Okay. If you too sure. enjoy esports, you can always subscribe to the Team of Earth and Gaming Twitch channel, where the price of power is one subscription, and in return, you get some emotes. 
uh, yeah. And also, actually, all the proceeds from that go towards esports for TLG. So we put the money we make from subscribing back into the web community, basically. If you follow us on other... I don't even know what podcasting platforms are. I'm supposed to say this every time. You know, don't forget to follow us on all good podcast platforms, which I think is like Spotify and Apple and... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't you... really know much you. <laughs> but yeah, we're on all of them, apparently. <laughs> and on YouTube, I think. So like, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. There we go. I've done it. Done the bit. Now we smile and wave. And hopefully ah, yes. in the next episode. So thanks for watching, everyone. And we'll catch you next time. Now we smile and wave. Bye-bye. <laughs>